Beautiful time of worship. Thank you guys for leading us in worship this morning as you do every week and serving us. Well, I'm excited as we are at our halfway point in our series on the 10 gifts. Uh, we've been looking, uh, we're, we've looked at the first four gifts that have talked about our relationship, our vertical relationship, our relationship with God. And now we segue into our relationship with others. And this morning, uh, what we're going to look at and what the fifth commandment is, is it reads this way in Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. It says this, it says, honor your father and your mother that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. Can we just take a moment and can we read this together? It says, honor your father and your mother that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. So we see this beautiful commandment of honor, uh, and I was kind of tossed of different ways to go with this uh, commandment, uh, because anytime you start talking about family, you talk about parents, you talk about um, obedience, submission, authority, these are fun sermons to, to have to preach. But it brings up a lot of joy, but it can also bring up a lot of pain, and I was looking at the different aspects of this commandment, and really, uh, I read a quote, and I titled the message it this morning, uh, and I think it's probably the longest title I've had of a message, but when you see the title of this message, you could just drop down and get saved right now with what the title of this message is, because I believe this is even a prophetic word for our culture, for our church, for our lives of understanding authority. So Kenny, if you'd put up... Uh, the title of the message this morning. It's the rehabilitation of authority and the reappreciation of obedience. I think this is something that when it comes down to authority and we see the principle that is packed inside of Exodus 20 verse 12, the fifth commandment, we see that it's dealing with authority. And so this morning, I think that this title could preach to us that we need I think if you look at our culture, you look at our churches, you look at our families, you look at our government, that we need a rehabilitation of authority. And then not only that, but we need to learn how to appreciate obedience and what that looks like, that it's not burdensome. I'm a, a believer and a firm believer as I've seen in my life and seen of my journey through authority, of being under, of being in. See, because all of us were under authority but in some place, even if you call yourself a parent, a grandparent, you're in a place of authority. So we're all under authority and we're in authority. So dealing with authority really touches a lot of our, uh, many parts of our lives. And if we can get the pure stream and what we're going to look at is three gospel stories this morning where Jesus teaches us on what authority is. Because he sees the authority that was in place at that time. And what he's going to tell his apostles and his disciples is that you don't have the luxury and the privilege. This is not how we treat people. This is not how we respond. This is not how we uh, uh, honor. This is not. So he looked at the authority that was in place at the time. And he said, we're to be counter-cultural than this. And honestly, what we're going to see in the Gospels is something that is going to be convicting to all of us and is convicting to myself because as we've said in this series, that Jesus took these 10 commandments and he reduced them into two, but he did something so much more powerful in that, is he amplified the spirit that was behind them and he modeled us in the flesh of how we're to walk 
uh, out the commandments of God, and he brought life to them. I want to turn your attention to 2 Timothy 3, 2 through 5. I love the way this translation said it, but this really speaks of really the, the age, the world, the time, the culture we live in, and while it, why it's difficult to honor and respect the authorities in our lives, and why there's a lot of offense, and there's a lot of hurt, and there's a lot of pain, and there's a lot of bitterness uh, that authority can cause in our life. But at the same time, if you've ever experienced a good leader, because I don't know about you, but I've experienced great leaders or great authority, and then I've experienced authority that has caused pain in my life as well. And so when you look at your encounters with authority in your life, I pray that you just threw out this message, you would take time and reflect. And my heart is, is that moments of past pain in your life that you've not given to God because of authority in your life, that healing can come into that place of brokenness this morning. And that these gospels, when Jesus is teaching his apostles, that you would take them as he is teaching you and he is bringing healing into your life this morning. But 2 Timothy 3, 2 through 5 just speaks of the culture and the times of which we live in and why authority is so bucked and why authority is so misunderstood. Look what it says. It says, don't be naive. How many of you know we live in a, in a culture and a world where we, don't, we can't be naive? We have to walk in discernment. It says there's going to be difficult times ahead. As the end approaches, people are going to be self-absorbed. And so this is going to speak of, of, a, of a wicked culture, of a culture that doesn't honor God. In the end times, people are going to be self-absorbed. They're going to be money-hungry, self-promoting, stuck-up, profane, contemptuous of parents, other translations say disobedient of parents. You read a lot of scripture, you'll see that uh, the, the signs of the times or the, the signs of a, of a wicked culture, a wicked community, there's always inserted in it the, the disobedience of parents, which is very interesting. We see that people are going to be crude, coarse, dog-eat-dog, unbending, slanders, slanderous, impulsively wild, savage, cynical, treacherous, ruthless, bloated windbags, addicted to lust, and allergic to God. And this is where I found this next passage of Scripture very interesting. It says, they'll make a show of religion, but behind the scenes, they're animals. And it says, stay clear of these people. You know, authority, again, touches every part of our lives. And we live in a fallen world outside of grace, which you and I are in, outside of grace, authority is very broken. And if the enemy could pervert any place that could really affect people in a way authority can, how many of you know he would go in, which he has, and pervert authority because of the place it has over our lives? And then when you're in a place of influence, how then you can hurt and abuse people? Because here's the pattern we find ourselves in, is if whether it's in your home, whether it's in a workplace, whether it's uh, uh, a teacher, a coach, whatever authority, even growing up, maybe you've seen it abused and modeled in a way that isn't God honoring or isn't a way of what we're going to see Jesus teach us. So what we see, we then take an, a, a broken model and then we go and then repeat that to everything we do and then there's just brokenness left all around us because we haven't seen authority modeled in a way that Jesus teaches us of how to walk in that. 
And so we see we're in this broken cycle that the authority above us, the places of authority we're in, is very prone to be broken. And then we can then go and do the same of what we've seen done to us. You know, as I preach this message too, it can be very personal because I'm very aware of the, of the place just personally I stand in every morning, our Sunday morning, and my heart's cry is, Father, allow me to always be a servant. Allow the, the, the authority that you've placed on me, never let me abuse it, never let me go outside of what you've intended in the word of God for it to be. And so my heart is of places, because here's the thing, we're all prone to abuse the authority that God has put in our lives. That's why we have to stay close to God's word and stay close to the Holy Spirit. And that's why we, we talked about last week the three judgments, right? That we judge our heart, we judge our words, and we judge our works. That whatever we're putting our hand to, whatever the motives in our heart, and whatever words are coming out of our mouth, that if we're judging that and allowing the Holy Spirit to have way in that, then we're gonna see a balance, we're gonna see a healthiness, we're gonna see a, a conviction where maybe when you step out or you, you move in anger or you move in emotion, how many of you know the Holy Spirit's good where he'll say, ah, you kind of crossed the line there, you need to go and you need to make that right. And so this morning, again, in this commandment, we're gonna see that it's all about authority. So I wanna look at this gospel, but first I wanna show you our first point, three points for you this morning for each gospel is this, number one, is real authority flows from service, not power. Real authority always flows from service and not power. We're gonna see that when Jesus began to walk in authority that he didn't wield power. Many times we misinterpret authority for having power. You've heard it said, if you've turned on any kind of political news channel, uh, or you've experienced maybe a, a boss or a CEO that when they walk into the room or when they walk into the building, you can see if they have a servant's heart or if they're wielding their power. And you're gonna see here that Jesus says that when we are to walk as servants and not make our authority felt because the broken part of authority is when we're in a place we wanna make it felt and people to know that we're in charge, which is often the signs a lot of the times of insecurity coming out. But we're gonna see here in this passage of scripture, Matthew 20, 20 through 28. It's very interesting and I think we can kind of miss this gospel a lot of the times uh, because it just kind of hides in there. We might not catch uh, this message of authority that Jesus is teaching us on. But this passage, this gospel is prefaced as there's greatness in serving. And we see this model, we see this repeated from Jesus that if you want to be great, serve. That it's this paradox. We live in a culture that says, uh, you know, what we just read, dog eat dog, that you climb the ladder, you step on people to get to where you want to be. But we see Jesus teach something completely countercultural where he says there is greatness in serving. So I want to read this gospel and I want to pull some truth out of it to you this morning. It says this. It says, then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to him with her sons, kneeling down and asking something from him. If you go back to that scripture real quick, I wanna pull something out of this. What you see here is the mother of James and John, and she's coming to Jesus, and it says she's kneeling down, which in that time was a sign of flattery. So 
the context of what this gospel is being presented in is everyone is catching wind of Jesus. They're catching wind of his ministry. They're hearing his miracles. They're they're seeing that uh, blind eyes are being opened, that people are being raised from the dead. And so people see that Jesus is the Messiah, that he's the prophet that everyone told of. And so this mother, as a lot of mothers will do, is begins to approach Jesus and kind of jockeying for a position for James and John uh, to have with Jesus. And we're going to see what position that uh, their mother is going to jockey for. Verse 21 says this. It says, and he said to her, what is it that you wish? What do you wish? And she said to him, grant that these two sons of mine may sit one on your right and the other on your left in your kingdom. Verse 22 says, but Jesus answered and said, you do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I am about to drink and be baptized with the baptism that I'm about to be baptized with? Quick note, anytime you see Jesus refer to the cup here, it always means of suffering or of bitter suffering. So whenever Jesus referenced a cup, it references suffering. We see that even Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, what did he wish to be taken away from him? Was the chalice or was the cup, which represented suffering. And so Jesus is saying this, and the apostles, James and John here, arrogantly said, oh yeah, we're able, we can do that. And so Jesus right here is about to call their bluff. Look what Jesus says. He says, so he says to them, you think you can, well, I'm telling you, you will indeed drink my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it is prepared for by my Father. So we see here something amazing taking place. And context on James and John is James would actually be martyred, would be killed for, his, for uh, following Jesus. John would actually uh, have a bounty on his head to be mar- martyred. And you know the story if you go and you read Revelation where he uh, uh, went and hid on an island and which is where he got the revelations of the book of Revelation. And so we see here that what Jesus was prophesying of would come true, that James would be martyred and many attempts would be had on John to be martyred and then eventually would die in his old age. But verse 24 says this, and this is what's funny because this is what happens in organization, what happens in workplace, what happens in family. We are all prone to this. It says, and when the other 10 heard it, that uh, their mother was jockeying for these positions, it says they were greatly displeased with the two brothers. So they started bickering and gossiping and talking and saying, who do they think they are? Why do they think they're going to be able to sit on the left and of the right of Jesus? Why do they get this privilege? But verse 25 says, But Jesus called to them to himself and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. So here's where he's teaching us on authority. So the the culture of the time, you know that these Gentiles lord their authority over them. And those who are great exercise it over them. You know, I think we've all, again, felt when a leader has made their authority felt to us and put us in our place. And so it's saying that, you know, the Gentiles exercise this authority. They make their authority felt. They domineer. They control, speaking to that spirit. Verse 26, it says, yet it shall not be so among you. Now, this is 
again, where we can see a command or Jesus saying, this is not how you're to live and to operate in authority. And so he's saying, if you're to be my disciple, operating in this style of authority, this is not how it's to be among us. And see, this is where conviction can begin to come in because, again, in our broken flesh and in our broken nature, we are prone to move this way. Look what he goes on to say. He says, but whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave, it says. Verse 28 says, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Beautiful passage of scripture here where Jesus teaches us probably the greatest leadership lesson we could ever learn of what it looks like to be a servant, of what it looks like to truly lead people. We're gonna see in a minute of how Jesus calls himself the shepherd and he shows the difference between the hireling and shows the difference between the true shepherd. That you and I and our families, we wanna be take what Jesus has said because whatever Jesus reveals, he's in a way telling us this is now how you're to go and do and to be. You know, the early church would actually call the home the domestic church because it's in the home when you think about it is the first place that we, uh, we come to understand authority. We see the first authority figures in our life are our parents. We see mom and dad or maybe we see mom or we see grandma or grandpa that they're representing authority to us. And the thing of how Jesus set up the church and set up um, uh, authority is, is if we can't understand the basics of honoring our parents, then our kids or you and I are going to have a rough journey the rest of our life because there are many other authority figures in our life that we're going to have to honor and have to respect and have to serve. And so Jesus and really how God sets up the family, those first 18 years of your life of obeying your parents is teaching you how to walk in authority. And so again, number one is this, if you missed it, it's real authority flows from service and not power. There's a difference between authority and power. Authority is not just wielding power everywhere. Number two is this, of what we see, is authority is always given from God to serve people. So we see many times authority is a gift given from God to be a blessing, and it's to serve other people. Look what John 10 says here. Jesus says this in verse 11. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for, those, for the sheep, but it says a hireling. He who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf or sees the enemy coming and leaves the sheep and he flees. Maybe you know a leader where you thought you could depend on them or an authority figure, and when things got sticky, rough, and tough, they were nowhere to be found and left you hurting or left you in pain. It says, the hireling in verse 13 flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. Jesus declares this in one of his powerful I am statements in the Gospel of John. He says, I am the good shepherd, so he's saying, I am your shepherd, and I know my sheep. You know, that's why there's beauty and power and blessing on the song, How He Loves, because Jesus, as that good shepherd, you're feeling his heart, you're feeling his love, his kindness, his mercy, and so he says, as the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, 
And he says, I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them I must bring, and they will hear my voice. So you see, not only is Jesus content with the sheep that are in the flock, you see the heart of an evangelist here, where Jesus wants to go and gather. He leaves the 99 to go after the one, right? It says, and the other sheep I have not, which are not of the fold, I must also bring them in. They will hear my voice, and they will be one flock and one shepherd. Therefore, my Father loves me because I lay down my life that I might take it again. And so Jesus, again, establishes that right authority as having the heart of a shepherd. That's why, dads, we protect and we care for our families, our spouses, our children, that we don't run when things get sticky in the home, but we engage into it and help navigate through it and show love and kindness and mercy in it. You know, we see authority uh, abused in marriages where submission, we don't, our culture does not like the word submission. We struggle with it. We struggle with submission in the church of what that truly looks like, again, because it's so perverted and because things have been taken so out of context and out of what God intended, where when a man is told to submit to his wife and a wife is told to submit to his husband, what that submission looks like, it's just, it's hard to comprehend and see because it's been so misunderstood. Number three is this, is honoring authority produces blessing. Honoring authority produces blessing. This is seen all throughout scripture. We even see this in the commandment of when we honor that there, it says you'll be blessed with long life. That there is power in honoring those around us and honoring our parents, honoring uh, the authority figures in our lives. So Jesus teaches on this. Look what the scripture says. It says this in verse 12. It says, so when he had washed their feet, this is again a powerful passage of scripture in the gospel of John of Jesus washing the disciples, the apostles' feet. It says, so when he had washed their feet, I love this right here. It says, he took his own garments. And so the save, think about this just for a minute. The savior of the world who put himself in flesh, in Jesus, loves us so much and models this for us where he takes his own garments, i.e. he really kind of strips himself down, takes his shirt, takes what he was wearing and kneels down and begins to wash his apostles' feet. It's a beautiful picture here. And Jesus said to them, do you know what I have done to you? Verse 13 says, you call me teacher and Lord, And you say, well, for so I am. Verse 14, if I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Beautiful. It says, for I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is no greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. And here's where we see a promise or of serving and honoring. It says, if you know these things in verse 17, blessed are you if you do them. So there's blessing attached to serving and to honoring those in authority in your life. But see, again, we struggle with honoring. Now this could go into a whole nother message of how do we 
honor or how do we obey leaders that are not godly or leaders that have put us in a position that is sin but want us to do this or our job's on the line or all a, a realm of things of understanding that. But I want to look, and again, I just want to address and bring out the mindset that many of us have on authority, and then you can begin to study out God's word of what it says to those things. But can I, I want you to put up a picture, and this just shows a, a, a chart of what the world says or what our flesh says versus what the kingdom of God calls us to in honoring authority in our lives. If you can't read it, it says this. It says, the world says there is freedom in rebellion, but the kingdom says there is freedom in submission. You read in 1 Samuel where Saul is disobeying, the scripture says it's as though it's as witchcraft. So rebellion is a spirit of witchcraft. So the world says there's, there's freedom in rebellion, but, there's fr- but the kingdom says there's freedom in submission. You look in and you read into a lot of the cults that have been in the past 50 years in America or watch a documentary, look into it, you'll see that many times what the, a core value of these cults is they, when they come into it, they're then told to go and rebel, to have unsolicited sex, to go and, and have drugs and, and get drunk and get out of your mind. And what we looked at at the first series or the first message in Romans chapter one, it says to suppress the truth and unrighteousness. So there's this rebellion that is at the core of who the enemy is. But we know the kingdom of God says that there is freedom in submission. There's freedom in it. The world says honor must be earned, but the kingdom says honor must be given. That all throughout the Bible, it, it, it speaks, it, Jesus speaks of to honor those in your life. It says, I can bash my leaders, but the kingdom says I must pray for my leaders. I think we can all just stop right there and, and take that in of, of maybe a boss or a leader or a president, someone we don't agree with. Do we bash them or do we pray for them? Convicting. The world says I must serve for my own gain. So there's selfishness in what the world says of why you serve. But the kingdom says I must lay my life down. So the hireling and the shepherd. The world says authority stifles me. But the kingdom says, kingdom says, authority propels me. You know, authority stems from a Latin word. And what it means is to be led into fulfillment. That godly authority should lead you into fulfillment. I pray this morning and every time that I share God's word with you that you're being led into fulfillment. Authority also comes from the word of augmenting. You might know that from uh, what's known as an auger, which means to expand or to, to bring up. That when authority, godly authority is over your life, you should be thriving. You should be expanding. You should be growing. And so we see, again, this chart of what it, we have to battle with on a daily basis. So honoring authority produces blessing in our life. And now looking at obedience quickly, look what Philippians 2, 5 through 11 says. And this is Paul talking to us where he says, this is how you're to think. That if you want to honor authority, if you want to be an authority figure worth respect and worth honor, then this is how you're to think. Because we all want to be leaders that people want to follow, right? And whatever you do, you want to be a leader that somebody wants to follow. And so Paul is saying, this is how you're to think. 
in verse 5. It says, think of yourself the way Christ Jesus thought of himself. So the three passages of Scripture we just read, servant, servanthood, servanthood, servanthood. It says, he had equal status with God, but didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of the status no matter what. First gospel, what, were, what was uh, the mother of James and John going after? It was influence. It was inner circle. It was prestige. It was power. We even see uh, what broke out in the news this week of these uh, big-time bribes that came out for these elite Hollywood stars to get their kids into uh, prestigious universities where they paid millions of dollars in bribes and finagled things, and now a whistleblower let it loose, and now the, it's being dealt with. But again, that just speaks of the culture of what our flesh goes toward, of why we need to see this and understand this. It goes on to say, don't cling to these advantages of the status no matter what. It says, not at all. When the time came, he set aside the privileges of deity and took on the status of a slave. Become, he became human. And having become human, he stayed human. It was an incredibly humbling process. Let me tell you, when you're serving, you will be humbled. You will be humbled in the midst of it. It's a humbling process. But it's the very thing that gets pride out of you because pride comes before the fall. Pride becomes out, gets out of you when you serve. It says he didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life and then died a selfless, obedient death. And the worst kind of death at that, a crucifixion, it says. Verse 9 says, therefore God also has highly exalted him. And this is why we love Jesus and why we worship him. It says, and he was given, he given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Powerful passage of scripture here of how we're to think like Jesus. And in closing, I wanna leave you with this, that if we are serious about being disciples, that we have to understand this, this, this uh, attitude of authority. Because the thing is, you can have an authority figure in your life that you don't agree with or that you don't, even a boss that you don't respect, but you can't allow that to then go and affect your attitude of what you then go and spew or what you say. But if you put the, the chart back up, you'll begin to see that I need to rework my mind and I need to rework my heart. And again, we're all guilty of this. We're all being preached to here because authority touches our life in a powerful way. And it was intended to. When you think about it, many of us have encountered God or have been shown God through an authority figure. You've been shown blessing through someone in authority in your life, that God uses people, God uses authority. And so when we see this, to honor authority produces blessing. And I'm one, I try to, I wrote this down, and this is my prayer, is Garrett, always have a humble, honest, sober understanding of yourself. Don't ever think of yourself something you're not or something I, I got that under control. But always have a humble, honest, sober understanding of yourself, of your situation, of what you're going through. 
Because the truth is, and I wrote this down, the more that we move away from this sin and into grace, the more the freedom comes into our life. And I, I was also praying. I said, Lord, where I don't look like you, show me. Now, when you pray that to God, he will gracefully show you those things and shine the light on those places in your life. And I think in this place of authority, we need to ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, where I don't look like you in this, show me. And when he does, he's not gonna beat you up because he loves you. He's gonna show you that. Maybe work on this area because I want you to grow here. I want you to flourish here. Proverbs 30, 11 through 17. And again, this speaks to our culture. And I think we could say our generation struggles with this, but it's, it says loud and clear about a generation and why we have this fight. It says, there is a generation that curses its father and does not bless its mother. There is a generation that is pure in its own eyes, yet is, yet is not washed from its filthiness. There is a generation, oh, how lofty are their eyes, pride, and their eyelids are lifted up. There is a generation whose teeth are like swords, they cut you with your words, and whose fangs are like knives, to devour the poor from off the earth and the needy from among men. And I find this next scripture very telling. Verse 15 says, the leech has two daughters, give and give. I began to look, okay, what does that mean? Give, give, How is, what, is, what are we saying there? This is speaking to a spirit of entitlement that a leech just sucks and sucks and sucks and is never satisfied. And we have a culture that is entitled and that wants and takes, but is never satisfied. So saying there's this generation that has two daughters and it's entitlement, it's give to me, give to me, give to me. It says, and there are three things that are never satisfied. Four says enough, the grave, the barren womb, the earth that is not satisfied with water. It says, and the fire never says enough. The eye that mocks his father and scorns obedience to his mother, the ravens of the valley will pick it out and the young eagles will eat it. So we see that in our broken human nature, there's always gonna be this struggle with authority. But I'm telling you, if you can get in God's word and you can see and be a model authority figure, you can, God can use you in a powerful way to bring healing, to bring love and grace and truth. I'm so thankful for the authority figures in my life that showed me Christ, many of them in this church, that I know I wouldn't be where I am today if I didn't have people who loved me because authority, just like in a home, doesn't mean that your kids can do whatever they want, but it's how you handle it and how you speak the truth, but you speak it in, in love is what the scripture says. And so I pray that we would, again, as we do every week, ask the Holy Spirit, how is this being made personal to me today? And what is those areas in your life where maybe you struggle with authority? Or maybe you're in a place of authority that you say, I need to work on this area of my life. And I pray as you do, the sweet hand of the Holy Spirit will touch you and empower you to fulfill because authority, again, is leading those under your care to fulfillment. To leading those under your care to fulfillment. If you bow your head, let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you. And on a tough subject like this, 
God, your grace is in the middle of all of it. God, I pray for any wounds that are present here this morning, any wounds from an authority figure, any wounds from a parent, a coach, a teacher, a pastor, whatever it may be, God, where we're wounded deeply from. Holy Spirit, right now we ask to come and heal that place of our life. Come and invade that brokenness because you are the good shepherd. You are the good shepherd and you don't run when things get sticky, when things get tough, but you're there to provide care right in the middle of it. Father, I pray that we wouldn't take the bait of offense because when we take the bait, it gets us bitter, it gets us distant, it gets us disengaged, it gets us hurt. God, I pray that you would provide healing of those wounds right now, Holy Spirit. God, I pray that all of us have levels of influence in our life. All of us have people, kids, employees, whoever it may be under our care. God, I pray that we always operate in grace and in truth. Any areas where our flesh wants to respond in anger and pride, selfishness. Father, I pray that you heal those broken passions, those vices that our flesh wants to operate in. And let us operate of what Jesus taught us in the gospels, that if you want to be great in the kingdom, you're to serve. God, let us take on the position of servants. What we'll hear at the end of our lives is well done, good and faithful servant. God, let this be a revelation to us this morning. We serve our spouse. We serve our children. We serve our family. We serve one another. We even serve our enemies. God, it's a countercultural thing you established. But God, show us the heart in it and empower us by your grace to walk in it. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen, amen. Amen. You've been blessed this morning. Be thankful for this gift.